Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Patrick Hollinger, also an endurance coach and athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. We appreciate your being with us once again, and we're actually today going to be talking about something we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> we, we mentioned that we're in Atlanta, Georgia, and this is a topic that is on top of mind to all athletes in Atlanta. Right, right. It's actually funny. Like Patrick and I were running together a week or so ago, and, and we were talking about, okay, so what are going to be some of the upcoming topics we need to have on the podcast? And we're about, what, an hour and 40 minutes into the run at that point. <laughs> it was our first two-hour run of, of the summer. And we said, you know what we need to talk about that we haven't talked about this year? Heat. That's right. <laughs> heat acclimation and how to deal in the heat um, because that's something that, that in Atlanta and really every summer, um, it's, it's worth revisiting and worth talking about, I think, right? Absolutely. It's something that I'm sure is on the top of mind of every runner, every triathlete, every cyclist throughout or their training You know, from May through sometimes even into October. So it's, it's something that's always worth revisiting because it's also a topic that takes some uh, kind of trial and error to resolve. It's yeah. not something where you can just say, all right, follow these three steps and you will never deal with issues with heat management. It is something that kind of takes you know, consistent effort and consistent attention. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think we also have it on our mind because last week, of course, we interviewed the crew over at Slayer X. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, a lot of the conversation we had with them was around heat and humidity, right? Right. Um, so you'll recall Slayer X actually has that climate-controlled room um, where they can put somebody on a treadmill or they can put somebody on a, a bike um, and they can have them exercise at their race intensity, and they'll measure their sweat rate. They'll measure their sweat content, um, which makes it really unique. Um, they can see how salty a sweater you are, and then, of course, how much you're actually sweating. And then they can give prescriptions for you based on um, what your the content of your sweat is and, and how much you're actually sweating. Yeah. So um, individualized hydration. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why we end up partnering with them and one of the reasons why we, uh, why we wanted to have them as a sponsor for this podcast. So check them out, slayrx.com. Um, when we were talking about the format for this podcast, we've, like we said, we've talked about this before. We talked about it in episode 50 last year. Um, and I talked about it one time before Patrick even came on the podcast around like episode 25 or something like that. I recently wrote a blog post for this for Precision Performance, um, the, uh, the physical therapy firm, um, and uh, it went on on their blog. But it was um, it's obviously something that we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that, that like you said, Patrick, it kind of catches a little bit off guard almost every year, right? Um, and... It was funny, I was listening back to episode 50, getting ready for this episode, and I said at the beginning of episode 50, which was you know, recorded in 2018, we really had a short spring this year. It was cold, and then suddenly it was really hot. And I actually said that to several people this year in 2019, mm-hmm. that May just seemed really, really hot, and it caught a lot of people off guard. Mm-hmm. It got really hot really quickly, and suddenly everybody, it's almost like everybody had kind of forgotten how to deal with hot weather. You know, did you experience that? Uh, a little bit. I, I think the reason we experience that every year is because, I mean, the way and heat affects your training is, you know, obviously you're always going to sweat. 
or I shouldn't say always, but most of the time you're going to sweat almost regardless mm-hmm. of the temperature. Yeah. You know, you're always going to have aches and pains, etc. But there's something about the heat where all of a sudden it's the most pressing issue that, that stops <laughs> you in a run. Right. Right. It's like it, it goes from being an element to all of a sudden it's the number one thing that prevents you from running faster. Yeah. Or it's the number one thing that's on your mind when you're finishing up a run. Like, man, I could really use you know, some air conditioning right now. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason why is because it just, it does kind of just take that sudden jump from being an element of a run or an element of yeah. a, of a, uh, you know, training cycle to being the most important aspect yeah. Yeah. To, to consider or the one that's top of mind when you're um, out on a run or out on a ride. So it's pretty interesting. And then too, there's also the idea that once it hits you, you have to come to the realization or the acceptance that, okay, it's going to be hot and humid every day. Mm-hmm. Like this is my new reality right. for the next few weeks, the next few months, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I'm a little cranky about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, then there's kind of just that idea of, okay, we've had the winter time. We had to deal with that. We've had the spring. Now it's time to really kind of focus on heat mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, heat management to, so to speak and kind of figuring out how to make it through a run or our training without letting he prevent us from getting in the runs we need to at the pace we need to at the length we need to etc right 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 for sure um i i recently resolved i think i've told you this patrick i finished a, a longer run maybe a couple sundays ago and and was at that place that you're talking about i was like oh so hot yeah and that was just really hot and and like you say i, I like how you phrase that you say that the heat goes from or the weather goes from being a factor to being the factor <laughs> you know it's like it's like just bust on the scenes says don't forget about me um but the the you know just feeling just overwhelmingly hot there and and i had this sudden realization i was like i don't think i like running in the summer anymore <laughs> yeah like like i used to when i was younger and i've been a runner for a long time i i used to think running in the summer is great you don't have to wrap bundle all up you know you can get dressed more quickly you wear the same thing every day shorts mm-hmm. and a t-shirt you know and you can just kind of go out and do your run and and there's longer days and nah, 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 and i don't think i feel that way anymore mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I i think my attitude has changed over time i think i might actually prefer putting on more clothes in the winter but I don't know, but yeah. Or to put a positive spin on it, we can say that summer training can is almost guaranteed to become your least favorite season of training if you don't manage it well. For sure, for sure. And I definitely think that that I do a better job managing it um, than than I used to. So with that in mind, let's actually kind of kind of hop into what we're what, what we want to say to do. Um, we have six things that we recommend uh, that Patrick and I are going to talk here a little bit about that, that we recommend as your beginning to to become accustomed to the heat as you're having to start to run more in the heat um that that you try and do if you've been struggling so far this summer because you know for all of us certainly here in atlanta we're already into the summer well into the summer um maybe these are a few things for you to try over the remainder of the summer um and uh and then of course put into practice next year uh the first thing is basically just to slow down and adjust your expectations Mm -hmm. um i went on a run immediately prior to our recording here i was not with patrick but um but I went out and, and was just sort of trudging along. Um, and I got to the end of the run, and I look at what my average pace of the run, I was like, wow, that was not a fast run. And it was exactly where it needed to be for this particular place in the training cycle. It was exactly the effort level it needed to be. My heart rate was exactly what it was supposed to be, but it was not a very fast run. And thanks to our friends at Strava, I could pull up very easily every single time I've done that run. And this was the slowest that I've ever done that run 
by a lot. Mm-hmm. It was about 30 or 40 seconds slower per mile than what I normally do that run. It was a minute slower than the fastest I've ever done that run, that 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 route. Um, the fastest I had ever done it was in February. Um, so in looking at all those times, though, I realized this is the first time I've ever done it in July. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever done it when it was more than 80 degrees outside, which is when I was forced to actually do my run today. Um, and so with that... I'm really not that bothered by it. Um, 15, 10 to 15 sec- of those seconds might be because of fitness. You know, I'm not at my fittest in the middle of July. Um, 10 to 15 of those seconds might be because I'm heavy. Mm-hmm. But I would say a good 30 to 40 of those seconds are just because it's hot. And it's hotter than it usually is when I'm normally doing that. Um, so with that in mind, I want to And just mention, to clarify, yeah, too, yeah, yeah. like this is like a midday run for you to have gone right before we were recording here. So, yeah. It About was, 84 it was, degrees or so. It was it was a, it was a, right it was a mid-morning run. So it was probably just over 80 degrees. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. probably 81, 82, something like that. Yeah, so um, it's not when I normally would have gone, but I had to drop off my sons and do a few different things. I'm always out of town, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So not when I would have done it. I should have adjusted my schedule. That's going to be something you're going to talk about here in just a few minutes, I know. But uh-huh. <laughs> but, but, but it's sort of when I, when I found myself forced to go um so let's talk about kind of a few things related to that and sort of what's going on the first thing is is to say the reason why you're forced to slow down the reason why you're forced to adjust expectations the reason why the heat does affect you is is because of three things one is because of hydration which patrick's going to talk about here in just a minute another one's because of because your body's having to divert resources to cooling your skin which i'm going to talk about here in more in just a minute uh, but the third one and the one i think that's that, that's most related to, to what we're talking about right now is your core temperature your core temperature goes up pretty significantly when you're out for a run and that goes up pretty significantly when you're out for a run in the cold weather, but it also goes up when you're in the warm weather, and that makes everything that your body does less efficient. Um, it means more energy is required to do everything, um, not just put one foot in front of the other, but also to respirate. Um, these things all take more energy when, when your body has a very high core temperature. It's like running with a fever, um, or it's like running a fever. Um, with this in mind, I wanted to call back a study that we've talked about here before um, from 2012 where they analyzed the results of six marathons, Paris, London, Berlin, Boston, Chicago, and New York from 2001 to 2010. So six marathons, 10 years, at 60 marathons. Put all together, that's 1,791,972 participant performances. Seven hundred. So uh, sample size is large. <laughs> yeah, very large sample size here. And I like that it's over the course of time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they did is they crunched those performances versus against five different things. Temperature, humidity, dew point, atmospheric pressure, and the concentrations of various atmospheric pollutants. Um, and of those five factors they found that the only thing where there was a correlation for every single person in the race was temperature. Mm -hmm. Um, Temperature of those four things was the only one that affected every single person in the race. Um, They also, they they broke out the finishers between like elite men, elite women, back of the pack men, back of the pack women, middle of the pack, top 10%, all that sort of thing. Um, And they found that the only thing that affected every single group, no matter how they split up the participants, was air temperature. Um, there's no escaping it. Nobody right. runs better in the heat. Um, it's just some people might not be as heavily affected by the heat as others. Some people might manage it better than others. But there's nobody who runs better in the heat. Everybody runs worse in the heat. Um, humidity, by the way, had a high impact on performance. Um, 
it ended up hurting the women's front runners and then all performance level for the men. Um, and so every single man ended up struggling with the humidity, and but only the, the women front runners did. Not sure exactly why that would be. Huh. Um, yeah, but then none of the other things, the, the dew point, the atmospheric pressure, and the concentration of those four different atmospheric pollutants, none of those were actually significant. Um, so the point being that this study, I think, very vividly demonstrates, illustrates that, that if it's hot, it's going to slow you down. Um, and you can't say, oh, well, I'm a fast runner or I'm a slow runner. It doesn't. It slows everybody down. Um, I was thinking about it also in terms of, of just a case study of one. You ran the 2018 Boston Marathon, right? Mm-hmm. That was the one that was so devastatingly awful with the weather. Correct. The, the headwinds. Running winds, into the wind, yeah. Yeah, running into the wind, the driving rain. It was 30 between 30, 30 and 35 degrees the whole time. It was awful, miserable. It was known as these apocalyptic race conditions. Everybody's talking about it was, right? Mm-hmm. The 2000, I think it was 11 or 12 Boston Marathon had some of the highest temperatures they've had ever at the Boston Marathon. Correct. And the highest temperatures they've had over the course of the past 20 years. Whichever what year that was, 2011, 2012, the finishing time in 2011, 2012 was worse than the finishing time in 2018. Yep. And so even when you think about how bad those awful, cold, windy conditions were, they didn't as negatively affect the performances as the heat of that 2011 race. And that's especially telling when you consider how many people dropped out of 2011, 2012. Yeah. It's it, it, it not even including those people. Right. Yeah. So, I, and I can tell you too, just having run like, for example, the Boston Marathon year after year and getting all kinds of different you know, temperature variations, the heat has a more um, negative effect than the cold. It definitely slows you down a lot more than maybe the cold or, or wind or rain would. Um, and, and to your point too, I think the real takeaway with the heat is it's going to slow you down. The question is who can slow down the least. Mm-hmm. Um, so in training, you need to take the approach of I need to just slow down because I'm not trying to win the race today. I'm trying to to get acclimated to put in my mileage and do so you know under conditions that allow me to actually run as far and as fast as I need to mm-hmm. today to get the benef- the physiological benefits I need to power through mm-hmm. um, on race day mm-hmm. and then. You know, in order to you know complete an easy run at its fullest, for example, or a medium long run at its fullest, you need to slow down because your body's going to slow down either way. So then you need to take that into account when you first start the run. And that's a pride swallowing endeavor, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean the the there's all these things set up, and I mentioned Strava just a minute ago. I mean, you're putting your run out there on Strava, you're going to see everybody's going to see, whoa, you didn't really run all that fast, right? You, you got to be okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, and I would yeah. say that's a big reason why you and I run on the trails for our long run because that mm-hmm. prevents us from seeing, oh, we're not as fast as we were mm-hmm. um, you know, in February or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And it kind of allows us to, to almost just run by feeling to just say, look, we're just going to have to take it easy. We're not trying to beat ourselves from a year ago in training right. because it's just not going to happen. Right, right. You know, we, we've talked on this podcast a lot of times before about running by feel and about how running by feel is, is a better way of going about it. Um, uh, developing what easy pace feels like is a good thing. Um, and I think that's particularly important if you're running in the heat. Um, if you run 7.30 pace for something in, in February or in March and you try and run 7.30 pace for the same thing in August in Atlanta, you're going to really struggle. Um, and it's going to make it a different sort of run. 
like mm-hmm. you say, it's not going to make an easy run. It's going to make it. Um, it's going to make it a steady state run. It's going to make it even a tempo run. It's going to push it in. It's probably most likely going to push it into that that zone three twilight zone that makes you too tired and wears you out, but doesn't render any be- physiological benefits. And that's nobody right. wants that. Nobody wants that. It was a 2012 Boston Marathon that was so hot, by the way. 2011 was the year that they had the uh, the tailwind that pushed everybody to the super fast times. That's right. Yeah. So 2012 was the one that it was that was so devastatingly hot there. And again, the average time in 2012 when it was so hot was actually worse than than the average time in 2018 when it was awful, terrible, cold and wind. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thing number two. All right, number two. So we talked about you know how you adjust your pace to, to slow down on you know easy runs, medium long runs, etc. So now let's think about what you do um, in terms of hydration. So first things first, always be hydrating. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of the, my number two uh, recommendation for managing the heat is to always be hydrating. If you're in sales, you're you know always be closing. If you're running, <laughs> always be hydrating. Um, and that means... ABH. ABH, right. Um, I don't have a great Alec Baldwin uh, impersonation or whatever Baldwin that is, but... I think it was Alec Baldwin, yeah. But anyways, um, so that means drinking water regularly throughout the day. You know, if you work at a desk job, I would recommend having a water bottle mm-hmm. or, you know, getting up regularly to go to the water fountain just to sip on water because hydration is also something that you need to do regularly. It's not something where you can say, all right, I'm gonna chug three Nalgene's worth of water right before my run, because your body has to have time to kind of soak up the water almost the same way when you're watering your lawn, you you know, you know, sprinkle the grass with water. You don't just you know blow it open with a floodgate, so to speak, or a giant water That's actually water hose. a good metaphor. I, I, think, I think there's a couple of really good metaphors when it comes to, to hydration. I think that's actually one of them. Mm-hmm. If, if you're like, oh crap, I forgot to water my lawn for three days, and then you just dump three days worth of water on it, your lawn can't absorb all that water, and it's actually worse for your lawn than it is for than than had you just watered a normal amount. Right. Hydration is the same way. You have to do it steadily in order for your body to actually be able to absorb it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are a few different ways to hydrate too. I think a lot of people think, oh, the only way to hydrate is to drink water. That's actually the preferred way. But you also need to think about too, what kind of fruits are you eating? You know, if if you're able to kind of incorporate more fruits into your diet in the summertime, that can really help. Um, keep your hydration levels up in kind of a sneaky way. Um, and that's when you, that's one of your big tricks. Yeah. Is you, you, you always talk about how you eat more fruit in the, in the summer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So always think about hydrating, you know, before the run, before the ride, et cetera. Uh, and then, of course, afterwards to make sure you're, you're replenishing the water that you lost during a long run or, or any run for that matter. And then I would also add, make sure to hydrate when you're running or when you're riding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people have reached out to me and asked, "Well, do I, you know, make myself tougher by refraining from from hydrating during the during the workout?" And no. the answer is absolutely not, for several reasons. One, it's dangerous. You don't want to end up. You don't want to leave your house and then be four or five miles away from your house, and then all of a sudden have some real heat issues or some. Hot. And the other thing too is, there's not really much physiological benefits from doing that, right? Um, because your body essentially just ends up you know, treading water almost the same way like a, a drowning person is just trying not to go under. Mm-hmm. So then it doesn't really engage in the full benefits uh, of the workout. So I always tell people, make sure you plan some water stops on your run, you know, run around a park where there's some water fountains. Um, or and by, when I should say plan water stops, I should say if it's over like an hour, hour and a half or so, um, or if it's even something around the track, feel free to, to sip on water between intervals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. If it's a, you know, 30, 40 minute easy run, I don't think it's 
quite as necessarily, but it certainly doesn't hurt mm-hmm. to, to hydrate on the run. Mm-hmm. So I guess to kind of sum it up, you know, the, the second big tip I have is always be hydrating. That means before the run, during the run, after the run, it's it's not something where you need to, to worry about, um, you know, toughening yourself up, so to speak. Yeah, right on. I, I'll, I'll add two quick things about that. First one, what you were just saying about toughening yourself up. Um, there's a lot of people who do like fasted long runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never been a fan of fasted long runs, but the, the, the theory behind them, and there's some, there's some illustration that this is legitimate, um, is that, that, um, you can encourage your body to rely more on fat and less on, on, you know, high power glycogen. If you do your longer runs when you're in a fasted state and when you're in a glycogen depleted state. Um, they feel terrible and, and it's easy to really blow it and bonk and throw off your training for a week or two. And so I'm not a big fan of them. Um, but I understand the physiology behind them. There's no such thing as a dehydrated run. Like, like if if you think that, oh, okay, well I can train my body to use more fat and use less glycogen if I have a glycogen depleted run. Well, that must also mean that I can train my body to use less water if I run dehydrated? No. I can understand that logic, but that it doesn't work like that. Right. Um, your body doesn't process and use water the same way it processes and uses glycogen and fat. And so so the idea that, oh, well, I'm just gonna, gonna dehydrate myself and that'll teach me to be better with less water, that's literally not how it works. Um, and so, so I can understand why somebody might translate the idea of the fasted long run into sort of a dehydrated run um but it doesn't work that way physiology doesn't work that way and so don't do that (laughs) yeah um the second thing to say about it is i do think that that you know in your always be hydrating plan um there's a couple of tricks that i found that really work and that i know other people have used as well you talk about eating fruit and i think that's true um put water in your car um if you commute if you put water in your car, you'll drink it while you're driving. Um, mm. And that that and that, that seems kind of silly almost, but it's actually fairly easy to drink a bottle of water while you're driving. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a very easy way to kind of sit there and hydrate. If you're watching TV in the evening, um, just kind of grab a glass of water or, or grab a LaCroix even or something like that, right? Grab some sparkling water. Um, that makes it easy. You mentioned having something at your desk. I certainly agree with you on that. Um, I, I, I know certain people who put water by their bed and when they wake up in the morning, it's empty because they kind of roll over in the night, take a sip of water and, and, and just kind of keep on doing. Um, I'm going to step you there. That's a great one. I didn't even think about that. So I, I don't do that because I'm, I would totally pour it all over myself. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, but. Let, me, let me get back to your, your broader point. When you were sleeping, which of course everyone in this podcast sleeps a lot <laughs> because they listen, they, they, they listen to me. Um, when you're sleeping, you're not hydrating. And that sounds silly. This is not just for the summertime. This is kind of throughout the year. Um, there are a lot of studies that show when you wake up, obviously your hydration levels are a little lower than usual. I mean, you obviously are not like at the end of a run or anything like that. Right. But a lot, there's a lot of science out there that says when you first wake up, drink a glass of water before you reach for that cup of coffee or breakfast because it just kind of helps get it, it. It's what your body needs most in the morning, and it kind of helps fill in some of that hanger. Uh, some of that hunger and some of that um, dehydration right off the bat. So instead of chugging coffee or, or milk or something of that nature, start with a glass of water. And it kind of gets back to your overall point of just always be hydrating and always mm-hmm. kind of think about your overall point, which I agree with. Um, um, yeah, for sure. Um, 
the the other thing I'll say too is is um, drink right after you run. Um, so I mean, and I know that sounds almost kind of silly, but you talk about how you put Gatorade in your car in the summer, mm-hmm. um, and you put water in your car during the summer, and so that when you finish your run, you're you're, you're feeling super thirsty. You'll drink a bunch. Yeah. Right. Um, I it sounds like well yeah of course obviously you do that actually no that's not all that obvious. Um, if you finish a run and then say you're in a hurry and so you rush and take a shower and you kind of get ready and then you get to you, you hop in your car to go to work. If you didn't actually drink, like take time and make a drink or just pour yourself a glass of water or whatever it happens to be, whatever your hydration of fuel of choice is, um, then you might miss that opportunity. And a time when you're really thirsty and you're probably going to want to drink a lot, you will have missed that window. Um, and so I always make a point of saying, okay, I'm going to make sure that whenever I finish a run in the summer, I drink something right then. And then, of course, I'll continue drinking throughout the course of the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when I, if I'm at a restaurant, you know, they serve you water in a restaurant. I always finish my water. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't worry about that as, as much in the winter. But if I have a cup of water at a restaurant, I'm like, all right, before I leave the table, I'm going to finish my glass of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, I think that, that there's a lot of sort of tips and tricks and, and little games you can play in order to get you to... to be hydrated throughout and, and to your point too it's not that you have to do all of these mm-hmm. but it, it's nice to put some systems in place to kind of almost trick yourself into um drinking water as much as you need to and kind of getting the the hydration you need throughout the day so that you're able to go into the run um as strong as you can instead of going in with with a a debt they, they would just make the run that much worse right on right on um third thing we'll talk about here so we talk about core temperature and we talk about hydration um and and now we need to talk about keeping your skin cool. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to kind of talk about also these three things. Um, and we're going to talk about a couple other things here as well. Um, but talk about these three things as separate things. Because I think hydration tends to suck up a lot of the air in the room when it comes to to, to heat issues. Right? Um, and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with hydration or is it, and, and that, that hydration is not important. It's obviously crucial. Right? But... Um, I heard a metaphor one time that if your car, the engine in your car is overheating, it's not necessarily going to fix it by putting a bunch of coolant in it at that point, right? To, to actually pour stuff into your engine, that's not going to actually cool it, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the engine's overheating, and so so addressing that is not actually going to, or, or, or putting coolant in there is not going to stop the overheating, right? right. That, that you have to literally kind of put water on the engine <laughs> and, and, and cool it off that way right and so so i think if if you're having a core temperature issue or if you're having to keep the skin cool issue and and you address that by just drinking a whole lot more well you're addressing your hydration you're making sure you're not dehydrated but you're not addressing the other issues that cause you to slow down when it's hot mm-hmm. okay and so with that in mind uh, the third thing as i said is keeping your skin cool um the one of the reasons why you slow down is because uh, and why you're forced to slow down why your performance suffers when you're in the heat is because your body has to divert resources from powering you to keeping your skin cool Um, that means more blood flow goes to your skin that means uh, more heat has to be taken away from your skin Um, and and you can help your skin you can help your body with that process if you keep your skin cool it won't have to divert as many resources to to cooling your skin Um, and it can use those instead to power you down the road Um, there's a few things you can do first thing wear the right clothes Mm -hmm. Um, and so you don't have to wear a whole lot of clothes Um, 
you don't need to wear a great deal of clothes, even though sunburn matters. And we'll talk about that in a second here. Um, technical fabrics that help the sweat move from your skin and evaporate through the technical fabrics can, can certainly help. Um, keep in mind how sweat works. Um, sweat removes heat from your body by evaporating off of your body. Um, if you don't believe me right now, just lick your hand and blow on it. And as the water that you put on your hand evaporates, it feels cool. Um, the reason why it feels cool is because there's heat going away from your skin. Sweat literally works the exact same way. Right. Um, and so if you wear clothing that hinders that evaporation process, then the sweat's simply going to sit on your skin. It's not going to be able to evaporate, and that cooling will not be able to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you wear tech fabrics that, that uh, promote the, the evaporation of sweat through the fabric, that certainly helps. Um, water whether you dump it on yourself or whether you run through a hose or something else like that, it can have the same cooling property as sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, any water that evaporates off of your body is going to cool you, whether it's water that comes from inside your body in the form of sweat or it's water that you put on the outside of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so dumping water over your head um, is certainly something that, that uh, can cool you off as well. Um, the third thing is is making sure you don't get sunburned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Exposed skin is good. Um, it's a positive thing. Um, if your skin is exposed, obviously the sweat can can uh, evaporate very easily. Um, but if your skin is sunburned, that compromises the cooling ability of your skin. And so you do want to make sure that you're protecting yourself against sunburn. Now, that being said, there are some really heavy, thick sunscreens that can actually interfere with the the interaction of your skin and the atmosphere they can actually prevent the sweat from being able to evaporate so you shouldn't lather on super heavy sunscreen but at the same time do protect your skin against sunburn because if your skin gets sunburned you're not gonna be able to keep your skin cool and you probably need to adjust your schedule and not run outside a little bit mm-hmm. um, which is probably gonna take us in the next thing unless you have something to say about that no that was perfect um and then i would say too with the the sunscreen, that's something a lot of people don't think about, but it certainly is important because, I mean, if you're, for example, running an hour a day, mm-hmm. that's now seven hours of you know, additional exposure that you're getting mm-hmm. uh, in the summertime. So even if you don't burn, it you know it's it's a good thing to think about in terms of kind of long-term health. Yeah. Uh, did, did you know that women actually tend to have lower rates of skin cancer than men? No. Um, and it's because women wear makeup in the United States. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it's because women wear makeup, and a lot of makeup, they just go ahead and put a little bit of sunscreen in it. That's um, a great idea. And so, um, I mean, imagine, think about when you're getting sun. Um, I get sun, and this is as weird as it sounds, I get sun on my commute. Um, they actually say that. Like a lot yeah. of dermatologists say, if you're going to, like, drive to Florida, like, put on sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you think about being in the sun, I mean, you're, you're in a windowed car for six hours um as you're driving to florida or or you're doing a 45 minute commute um but women if they're wearing makeup that makeup tends to have an spf rating and so they they tend to have lower rates of uh, of skin cancer as a result of that um and so anyway fun fact sure yeah absolutely impress your friends all right uh what we got number four here number four all right number four uh adjust your schedule um this is pretty key Uh, you know a lot of people will will come to me and say hey you know I need to think about training in the summertime. So, so what are some tips? And and the number one thing I tell them first and foremost is run in the morning. <laughs> and the reason is a lot of people say, well, I would prefer to work or to, excuse me to run after work, for example. 
And they would say, oh, well, that's okay because I'll just wait for the sun to go down or for, the, for it to be evening time. That way it's not in the heat of the day and I don't have the sun blowing down on me and it'll be just fine to do it in the evening. And I'll have to remind them, actually, it's almost as hot in the evening time as it is in the afternoon. Because if you think about it, the, the earth heats up almost like an oven. So it gets hotter and hotter from about 6 a.m. all the way to what, like 5 p.m. or so. And it just keeps getting warmer. And then it might dip a little bit or it'll start decreasing as the sun goes down. But it still isn't nearly as cool as it is in the morning time when it's had all night to cool off. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing I would say is if you can, adjust your schedule to run in the morning because it is going to be significantly cooler in the morning than it is in the evening. I tend to be an evening runner myself, but in the summertime, everything has to change to get things done in the morning, especially on the hard workouts like the intervals, the tempo runs, etc. You might be able to suffer through an easy run after work. But it's it would be awfully tough if to to get an effective workout done, you know, in the evening time or really after about eleven o'clock or so in the morning in the summertime, unless you just wait until like ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And you know, most people don't have a schedule that allows for that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you on this. I, I I would add two quick things. The first thing I would say, and when it comes to adjusting your schedule, um, kind of similarly keep your schedule flexible mm-hmm. um, because all of us have lives that sometimes intervene on our workouts right of course um and and so like for example this morning i had to like i said i had to drop off my sons Mm -hmm. um and and i wasn't therefore able to run until it was already over 80 degrees Mm -hmm. right Um, my wife is out of town right now and so i couldn't get up super early this morning and run before i dropped them off while it was still maybe even a little bit dark outside right and while it was cooler i didn't have i didn't have any other choice except for to go ahead and run this morning except for maybe to run this afternoon. Um, now, I initially had planned to be on my treadmill. I actually use my treadmill more during the summer than I do during the winter, mm-hmm. as weird as that sounds. But the reason why is because I have to, if I'm going to be doing a hard workout, and the only time I can do that hard workout is 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I can't do that in the summer in Atlanta. It just can't happen. Yeah. In the winter, if I'm supposed to do a hard workout, and I need to do it two o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> and even if you had to do it the coldest yeah. part of the day, yeah, you could still do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, six a.m., nine a.m., two p.m., six p.m. It's the same in the winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, some some of those times are colder than the other, but but none of those times are going to be so. Is the is the weather going to profoundly influence the way that I actually run? Right. Um, whereas whereas with with the summer. You can do that hard workout at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., but you're not going to be able to do it at 2 p.m., period, unless you're doing it on a treadmill. Um, So my treadmill is a piece of garbage. And so as soon as I got on it this morning and realized I wasn't going to be able to do the workout that I planned because my treadmill literally wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, all right, what can I now do? Well, I can ride my bike inside. Um, But I didn't want to do that because I've ridden my bike inside a lot lately. I need to run. Um, Or... I could go out and do a run outside, but I know it's going to be hot and I know that, that I can't do something hard outside or at least not as hard as I had planned to. So I adjusted my schedule. Yeah. I was flexible with my schedule. Um, that meant that I ended up doing not the work I wanted to do today. And that just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I'm a lot better off actually for having adjusted my schedule and I'll do something hard some other time. You know, that's a great point. Um, and I actually had to make a kind of a similar adjustment. So first of all, I, I think you make a, a bigger point, which is we need to be aware of the changes that are going to take place during the summertime. And what I mean by that is 
you need to be aware that, hey, you can do a hard workout in the morning time. You, pr- you can't do it in the afternoon. Right. So just know, and there are going to be times that life gets in the way mm-hmm. and you just have to accept that. Right. So for example, I can tell you this, I usually do my hard um, workouts on this day of the week, but today I couldn't do it because of early morning um, obligations I had to, to address. And so today I said, look, I'm just going to do an easy run this week. Right. That's just the way it has. That's Same the way thing. it has to go sometimes. Yeah. And the flip side of that is, when you do have the opportunity to get in that hard run early in the morning, you need to take advantage because you have to know, probably once or twice, if not sometimes three times in the summertime, life is going to happen, mm-hmm. and it might rob you of a of a hard run or a hard tempo. That's a good point. That's like that's like the positive side of the coin almost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we talk about hey, hey, you're supposed to run hard today, but now you need to adjust and make it easy. If you're supposed to run easy but the opportunity presents itself to run hard, you might better take advantage of that opportunity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Within and, reason, obviously. Yeah, within yeah. reason. Yeah, and like if you did a hard day yesterday, don't be like, oh, the, the weather's coming together for me. I'm going to do a hard day again today. I mean, I don't mean that. But but in, in looking at the entire picture, if you're like, wait, I can actually go out at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, I I am not going to be wiped out. I'm due for a hard workout. I was going to do it Saturday anyway, so now I'm going to do it on Friday or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then, then yeah. I, I, I totally believe that. If you were planning to do a hard workout on Thursday night or Thursday afternoon and you suddenly realize that you can do it on Friday morning instead, put it on Friday morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I, I, I agree with you on that. And I think it's sort of a, it's, it's, it's the same principle, but it's like the going, moving the opposite direction, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, super important. The other thing I'll say about it too is that um, uh, when it comes to adjusting your schedule, you'll probably need a little bit more time for recovery in the summer. Yep. Um, particularly, particularly if you have a workout that, oops, turns out to be harder than you thought it was going to be, um, that you went into it a little bit underhydrated, or or it suddenly got really really hot, or or whatever tends to happen. Um, this happened to me a couple of days before the PC Road Race. <laughs> I ended up having a really 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 hard day because I think I was underhydrated and a little bit sick and all that sort of thing. So, um, and and so you might need to schedule in some extra recovery days during the summer as well. Um, and so when you think about adjusting your schedule and making it flexible, you might need to put extra recovery in there too. And there's mm-hmm. no shame in that. Yeah. There's no shame in that. Uh, a run that wouldn't necessarily beat you up all that much in the fall, in the spring, even in the winter is going to beat you up more in the summer and it's going to require you to spend more time recovering from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Um, next thing I'll say, uh, number five, um, is that you should spend some time acclimatizing. Um, mm-hmm. um, there, there is such a thing as acclimating to heat, um, and and you can acclimate over time to heat. Your sweat rate changes, um, and and uh, your the electrolyte content of your sweat can change, and all that sort of thing. And so, so yeah, spend some time backing off, being slow, cutting down your volume, all that sort of thing, in order to acclimatize to the heat. Now, that being said, don't be dumb about it. Um, I. You know, I, I there there's stories of people who are trying to acclimate themselves for for Kona and they do something stupid is legion or legion. Yeah. Um, there's just so many stories of people being like, oh, well, I wanted to to acclimate myself for the the heat and humidity in Kona, and so I rode my bike in a sauna for six hours uh, and stuff like that, and you know they end up in the hospital. It's it's just it's people do really 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 stupid stuff in order to acclimate themselves for these really extreme conditions and races. Don't do something stupid like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't have to run every single one of your runs in, you know, uh, 
a 90 degree room. You know, you don't don't turn off all the air conditioning in your house. Don't do a do a bike trainer workout on top of a parking deck, right? Um, so you don't need to do a whole. I'm bunch assuming of, these are all examples of things oh, people yeah. have done in the past. Oh, yeah. Good oh, heavens! Yeah. yeah, I mean, so 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 don't do things in the name of acclimating that that are are going to just completely wipe you out and are frankly going to put you in danger. Yeah. Um, but there is such a thing as acclimatizing yourself to heat. Mm-hmm. Build gradually, spend time actually more and more, an increasing amount of time over time in, in the hot weather. Um, and, and you'll be better off for it. Yeah. What do you have to add about that? Yeah. And, and just know that, you know, you will acclimate to the heat. It doesn't mean you'll become invincible to it or, you know, that it won't become, you know, a hindrance at the end of the summer, but just know, you know, when you first start off and when you first kind of get hit with that sack of bricks, so to speak, on that first hot run, it will get better as long as you take the right steps. You just have to be mindful mm-hmm. and thoughtful in how you approach your training moving forward. Absolutely. And in what it, and in many ways, that's why you know I like to kind of reframe su- summer training to kind of tell a better story to make it a positive by saying, you know, look, we can use this to our advantage. You know, you can almost view summer training the same way you you view hill training, mm-hmm. and that you'll say, okay, it will slow you down for this particular training day, mm-hmm. but it will help you on race day because it will make you stronger, even if the race is not particularly hot or hilly. Mm-hmm. It will, you know build you up you know from a physical standpoint even from a mental standpoint mm-hmm. and and help you later on when you're trying to you know address your target run mm-hmm. or your target race um and to your point you just don't do something silly like cycling on the top of a parking deck that might have been my your favorite <laughs> my favorite example that you just mentioned because that is wild um yeah you know we, we've talked about this before that some people have referred to heat and humidity as the poor man's altitude mm-hmm. um and uh, or the southern man's altitude yeah exactly yeah. um and, and it doesn't quite work like that um but i do think that a lot of the things we're talking about um about heat would certainly apply if you found yourself at, at seven thousand feet of altitude as well right um nobody would go from here to la paz bolivia uh, and expect to be able to maintain the same sort of intensity right. um, in, in their training. Um, of course not. Um, La Paz, by the way, for those who don't know, another fun fact that you can use to impress your friend is the highest capital city in the world. Um, but my, my sister sometimes works there, and she says that the whole pace of life there is so much slower. She said people just move, literally move slower because the altitude is so high. Yeah, because I mean they've left oxygen in their blood. Yeah, so I mean it's twelve thousand feet. Less energy. Yeah, it's twelve thousand huh. feet. Yeah, it's it's and it's not like it's oh you know Denver is a mile high. It's five thousand feet. It's it's twelve thousand feet. Whew. Yeah. So anyway, um, if I was traveling to La Paz, Bolivia today, I would not make the mistake of saying, oh well, I'm just going to go out and do whatever workout it is that I would normally be doing. Mm-hmm. Of course not. Right. Um, you would make that adjustment. You have to make the similar adjustment for 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 running. Um, and, and ultimately as strange as it sounds, um, and as incredible as it is when October rolls around the best month of the year for running, uh, and you've been still training smart with the same effort, your, your times are going to drop by minutes per mile. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's glorious. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right on. And then kind of to just as a reminder, you know, training in the heat you can train in 80 degree weather and, and still get a lot of that same acclimatization. You don't have to yeah. boil yourself, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, we're moving on to the next Last and the final one. recommendation. Last one. Uh, this one is, it almost kind of plays into, uh, it's almost the, the inverse of the always be hydrating. Mm-hmm. And that's simply to, you know, 
watch you know, what your alcohol intake is and what how much medicine you're consuming or what type of medicine you're consuming yeah. during the summertime. Um, so I'll start with the alcohol intake. That one's pretty straightforward. Alcohol obviously does dehydrate you. We're not saying you have to abstain altogether. Just be smart. Um, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, drink too much the night before a long run because it's going to have an even greater effect in the summertime than it would during the wintertime. Yeah, and, and, but, I, but I think that... that um, that's more common than you would think. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you imagine you, you go out for you know a big run or a big race or or you you can you complete a seventy point three or something like that in the summer, and and how do you celebrate afterwards? You know, I'm gonna have a few beers. Absolutely. Right. So you're already in a dehydrated state, and then you drink a bunch of beer, which no matter how much water is in that beer, you're gonna be more dehydrated after you drink it than you were beforehand. Right. And and that's a little bit counterintuitive, I think, for a lot of people, but 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 the alcohol has a bigger dehydrating effect than the water in the beer has a hydrating effect. Right. Right. And so literally you lose water by drinking a beer or by drinking a glass of wine or by drinking, right. taking a shot or anything else like that. Right. Um, and so, so, um, you're already a little bit dehydrated. You have a few more beers that dehydrate you further. You have like a glass of water and then you go to sleep for 12 hours during which you're not dehydrating or, or you're, you're, not, you're hydrating, not hydrating. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're going to wake up the next morning with a profoundly deep deficit in terms of hydration. Right. Um, and and so I do think that that's an important thing to keep in mind. Right. Yeah, yeah so you, there's, a, there's two ways to really think about it. One, I mean, sometimes you have a beer like after doing yard work or something, but just kind of keep, or after a long day of work or something, mm-hmm. just keep in mind you don't want to set yourself up for failure at the next the workout the next day. Mm-hmm. Then also think about how it plays into your recovery, right? Like it mm-hmm. does feel good to have... Um, you know, a, a glass or so after a long run, but just keep in mind, you do still need to recover. You, need, you do still need to drink the Gatorade, the water, right. to really replenish yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I, in the the blog post that I wrote for Precision Performance, I said something along the lines of, you might not want to be that guy at the party who's alternating water and beer, but you also don't want to be that guy who's still trying to recover from his Sunday run on Wednesday. Right. <laughs> and 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 so yeah, I get that. I, I get that, that, oh, it's kind of lame and sort of weak to be like, oh, well, I'll just drink this beer and I don't need to drink a glass of water. Get over it. Um, yeah. And then it, I mentioned the consumption of medicine. Once again, it's just simply to be mindful. Um, there are a lot of antihistamines and antidepressants that do have mm-hmm. um, a dehydrating effect. Yep. Uh, I certainly am not a doctor, so I just wanted to kind of, you know, bring that up as something to consider if you are taking, you know, medications to fall under either category. I certainly don't know the nuance um, of you know what individuals are taking, but it's just something to be aware of. Yeah, and it's something to ask the pharmacist or something to mm-hmm. ask your doctor when you actually take that prescription. If you get a cold in the summer or the flu in the summer, we're not saying don't take drugs, <coughs> um, but we we are saying hey, you know, just be mindful of the dehydrating effects of those things. Right. Yeah. Um, there are there are things that we take in that that we don't might not think about the fact they're dehydrating us, but they are. Um, and so we need to make sure that we're taking steps to ensure that they're not going to ultimately negatively impact our performance. Mm-hmm. Right, Patrick? Absolutely. All right. Anything, any final words here on summer heat training, dehydration, core temperatures, cooling your skin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? No. Only thing I can say is it's going to be hot and it's <laughs> going to affect your runs. But if you, you manage it properly, you can use it to your advantage and... Um, just kind of use it as one more challenge that an endurance athlete has to, to overcome and be proud of 
uh, at the end of the summer. Right on, right on. Good luck with your hot weather training, everybody. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, by Blue Pineapple Travel, and by SlayRx. If you want to reach out to me, you can always find me, George, at ITOcoaching.com. If you want to reach out to Patrick, it's Patrick at ITOcoaching.com. Or you can send us a podcast email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. If you want to find ITO Coaching and Performance, they're at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash performance. If you want to find Blue Pineapple Travel for all your travel needs, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. See all the incredible places where folks are traveling thanks to Blue Pineapple Travel. And, of course, our newest sponsor, SlayRx. You can find them at SlayRx.com, at Facebook.com slash SlayRx, or on Instagram at Instagram.com, here for, the number four, here for SlayRx. Don't forget the discount code as well, Pleasant2019. That'll get you 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.